Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Super excited to be here with you today. We are on episode 185, and today we're talking about secrets number three and four of successful nursing students. So we've been doing the whole series of 20 secrets, and today we're doing number three and number Four. You can get the whole 20 secrets all at once by downloading my free guide, and I'll put the link in the episode notes. Otherwise, we're going to be sprinkling these out over the next month or two or three to get all 20 secrets on the podcast. Okay, before we dive in to secrets number three and number four, I do want to give a quick listener shout out to Ashley. And Ashley says, I absolutely loved how confident I felt after using the boot camp. I felt like I had a jump start on the content for my first semester. With how stressful the program is, the confidence was so valuable. I would purchase this program over and over again, 1000% worth it. Ashley, I'm so glad that you felt confidence going into your nursing program. That is 100% why I created it in the first place. So I'm thrilled that you had that experience and that you shared that back with me. That just means the world to me. So what Ashley is referring to is my Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, my nursing school prep course that gets you prepped and ready to hit the ground running in nursing school. And sounds like Ashley had total and complete confidence with that, and you can too. Right now, Bootcamp is on sale, so I will put the link in the episode notes so that you can go and check that out. Okay, so if you've been listening to the secrets of successful nursing students, it's because you probably want to be a successful student. We've done a few already. Today, we're on number three and number Four. So, secret number three is that successful nursing students avoid wasting time. Now, I know that might seem like, duh, but let's really talk about this a little bit because sometimes the time wasters are not things that we at first would be really aware of. So, secret number three, all about avoiding wasting time, and that is also about avoiding distractors in our lives, and time-wasting activities. So the thing with time wasters and distractors is that they're not always super obvious. 
they can often be pretty darn sneaky and in a way just siphon away our time almost before we even realize it. So we're going to go through a little exercise today to identify what those might be for you and think about some ways that we can lessen their impact. Okay, so this one is actionable, you guys. If you're already in nursing school, then you know, without a doubt, that you do not have a single moment to spare. Every minute is absolutely precious. When I was a student, you guys, I have talked about this so many times. I was deeply opposed to staying up half the night to do papers, projects, studying, any of it. I always wanted to be in bed by 11 p.m. Not just in bed by 11 p.m., asleep by 11 p.m. And in order to do that, I knew that I could not waste any time during the day. Every activity, every potential time waster that presented itself to me came down to translating that into what it would do to my ability to get to bed and be asleep by 11 p.m. Like, for example, I, you know, if I'm driving onto campus in the morning, I might notice that the parking parking lots are really, really packed, right? Sometimes those parking lots at those big universities get so packed. Now, I could spend 20, 30 minutes hunting for the perfect parking spot or a closer parking spot, but do I have 30 minutes to spend doing that? Or do I park right here, walk five minutes to my class, and save myself basically a half hour? So, I mean, it would come down to things like that. It would come down to if someone wanted to get together for lunch, as much as I loved getting together for lunch with my classmates, I would do the mental math on that. And sometimes it was worth it to me because I knew I had a little wiggle room in my schedule. And I would think it through and go, okay, if I spend a half an hour at lunch with these guys, I can still make my bedtime work because I do have a little wiggle room this evening. But if I didn't have wiggle room, that was a hard no for me. I'm sorry, we'll have to do it another time because I had a non-negotiable that I was going to be in bed by 11 p.m. every single night. So time wasters are all around us. And I'm not saying that having lunch with your friends is a waste of time, but if it pulls you from your goal, then it is wasting your time. Obviously, hunting for a parking spot is not a good use of time if you're able to walk the distance to your class, right? Hunting everywhere for assignment instructions is a terrible use of your time when maybe if you had saved it in an organized, systematic way to begin with, you wouldn't be spending your time doing that. You'd be spending your time writing your paper. So these these things that pull our time away from us are all around us. And yes, they do keep us from our goals. So we're going to do something about it, okay? Very first thing that I want you to do is brainstorm some things that regularly take away your time or have the potential to take away your time. And be really honest with yourself as you go through this process. As much as I love watching funny cat videos on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, is it the best use of my time? No, it is not the best use of my time when I have other goals, other things to do. So some ideas for potential time thieves or time wasters are, big one right here, you guys, is social media. 
Yes, again, I love me some funny cat videos and some funny nursing memes, but I don't get sucked into those things when I have work to do. Video games is another one, you guys. These can be a fantastic, really fun escape from the stresses of your life and from school, but they have the potential. There's like a time warp that happens when you're in that environment, and it can very quickly absorb your very precious free time. The other one that we use, television, streaming services, things like that. I know you don't want to miss your favorite shows, and you might do like I do sometimes, and I'm going to be honest and fess up to this one, is I put it on while I'm doing other work. I will put on The Office because I think I have an addiction to The Office. I will put it on just as background, you know, just some background noise while I write this blog post, right, or while I, you know, do whatever, When I do that, I get about a third of the amount of work done that I would have gotten done had I just kept my iPad off and not watched anything or not had anything on for my background noise, right? Because it's a distracting. I mean, how do you not get distracted every time Dwight does something goofy or Michael does something goofy, right? So watching TV while you're studying, very big potential. You might feel like you're multitasking, and I've talked about this before, Multitasking isn't really a thing. It's constant task switching, which is highly, highly inefficient. So writing a discussion board post while you put on an episode of whatever might seem like a great idea, might make the discussion board post writing more pleasant, but that discussion board post writing assignment is now probably going to take twice, three times as long because you're not focused and you're not being efficient. It's also really easy when you're watching shows to just do the, oh, just one more, especially when it's super binge-worthy. So we're going to be very aware of our habits around television and streaming services. Okay, unproductive study groups. If you are in a study group, I want you to take a very honest look at how productive that time is for you. If you're following the ground rules that I set for study groups, and I will link to that episode in the notes, but it is episode 74. So if you're following the ground rules that we talk about in that, then your study group is probably not wasting your time. But if you're spending half your time trying to determine what to study, how to study, griping about school, discussing the latest nursing school gossip, then as much as you might really love the people in your group and the camaraderie and the social social aspect of it, it's wasting your time. And you deserve better and you can do better than that. And we will do better. Another thing that wastes students' time that they might not even realize is not knowing how to study or what to study. So this can be a really big barrier for a lot of students who are trying to get more efficient with their time. Students will waste time studying the wrong material, studying in ways that don't work well for them, or even over-studying. So here's a little tip for you guys. If as you are studying, you are not having these regular 
aha moments, as I call them, where light bulbs click on, connections are made, your brain says, oh yeah, I got to remember that, then you are overstudying. You're studying material that you already know very well because it's not lighting you up. It's not triggering your brain to go, oh yeah, I got it. Aha. I call those aha moments. If you're studying and things aren't sticking, you're not using the most effective study methods that will help you learn. So one thing is overstudying, like I said. The other thing is maybe things just aren't sticking. It could be that you're using the wrong method for you or the wrong method for the type of material that it is. And if you take the exam and it's nothing that you studied, then you're absolutely studying the wrong content. All of this is a really huge waste of time. And the sad part about this one is that if you are studying inefficiently, not the right material, not the right way, and then you go and take an exam and you do poorly, a lot of times students will double down and just spend more time, more energy, more effort on doing the same ineffective thing. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Another way that students waste time is by taking multiple attempts with skills checkoffs. If your school is using official checkoffs to test your ability to perform certain skills in that lab setting, you probably get two or three attempts. If you are not preparing for that first attempt as though it is your only attempt, then there's a very good chance that you're not going to pass that first attempt. And then you have to take it again and do the whole thing again in a few days or next week. This is a huge waste of time, right? Your goal with every skills checkoff should be one and done. I want you to only use that second or even third attempt if you legitimately need it, but don't plan on using it. Don't say, I don't have time to prepare for my skills checkoff tomorrow. I'm just going to go in there and see how I do. And if I fail, I'll come back and do it again in a week. No, you're wasting your time. Take the time to study. Use your time effectively. Do your time management like we talked about a couple episodes back. And go into that checkoff as though it's your only possible attempt. Knowing that you're going in to pass, most of the time means you've set the bar high, you've prepared, you're going to pass. Another one is reading the textbook word for word. This is a significant waste of time for most students. Unless your preferred learning style is heavily heavily skewed toward reading and not really anything else, 
this tactic is probably going to rob you of so, so much time because the amount of reading assigned in nursing school is absolutely massive. You could spend every single minute of your free time, your available time to study and do homework, just doing reading. And that's inefficient, highly, highly, highly inefficient. We're going to be diving into this more when we talk about secret number five about reading for nursing school. So make sure you come back in a few days and listen to that episode. But just for now, know that we're not going to read everything word for word. And then another way that students waste time in nursing school is just with that day-to-day household chores. We often don't think of these as time-wasting because, you know, they're kind of necessary, right? You got to eat, got to wash your clothes, all of that stuff. But some things can wait until the end of the week or even the end of the semester. For example, is it critical that the laundry always get put away? And I talk about this a lot, you guys. I'm a big fan of when it's intense. Don't even bother putting the laundry away because you're just going to wear it again in another day or two. Wash it. Just don't stress yourself out by putting all the laundry away if that wastes your time. And secondly, do you have to be the one who always does whatever these things are around the house. Delegating and deferring are the two key ways to household chore management when you're really looking to maximize your time. And, you know, especially if you're willing to let a few things slide, that is going to be key. We talked about this a bit in secret number two when we looked at planning out your schedule. So check back to that one if you'd like a little bit more inspiration in this area. We talk through some ideas for ways to kind of outsource, delegate, and defer those household chores. Okay, so we've brainstormed some things that waste our time. You might have thought of some things uh, that waste your time that are specific to you. Now what we're going to do in this next step is come up with the plan because you guys know I love an action plan. And what can you do to limit the impact of these things that steal away your time? So here are a few examples to use as inspiration, okay? So we talked about social media, right? Now I'm not saying get rid of all social media, never use it again, But maybe you could put a blocker on your computer or mobile device or both that does not allow you to access social media sites at times specified by you. So let's say you know you need to get in there and work on a paper or an assignment. You turn on the blocker and now you can't go to Instagram or Facebook for two hours and you're going to work on your assignment in that two hour period. Blockers are great at helping you break those habits and form better habits that enable you to focus, okay? Video games, another one that can really steal your time that we talked about. I'm not saying don't play your games and don't have that escape, that release of stress, but maybe set a timer for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and make a commitment to yourself that when the timer goes off, game time is over, it's time to go to bed or time to get back to work, okay? With your television, your streaming stuff, my best advice for this is save it to the end of the day when all your work is done and you're winding down and let that be your treat. Put your feet up, watch your favorite show, 
let your mind go. It's great to get your mind off school. When I was in school, I would dream about pathophysiology and the skeletal system. I had so many dreams about bones when I was memorizing all of the bones for anatomy. Nobody wants to be dreaming about your schoolwork. So have that period in your day at the end of your day where you turn it off. You know, maybe that's reading, maybe that's watching a TV show, but use it then, not during the day when you're doing your work itself. For that unproductive study group, maybe you can instead study with one other person who has a very similar learning style and the same academic goals that you do. You're going to be much better matched, highly focused, more in tune with each other's needs than if you're in a group of five or six people that's all over the place and unfocused and unproductive. Grocery shopping, one of those household chores that is just a huge time thief, right? Shop online and pick up curbside once a week. That would save you at least an hour right there just from doing that. The other thing, and this one gets me, is talking on the phone with my friends. So every morning, I call my friend in Texas, and we talk every morning. And I don't know how, but we talk every day, like three times a day. We still have so much to talk about every morning. And that time can quickly, you know, it can quickly be half an hour, 45 minutes. So there are days when, you know, I have things to do. I don't have time for that. When I was in nursing school, there's no way I would have had time for that. So maybe you can limit your phone calls to your friend in Texas or wherever to times when you're doing something else, like folding the laundry, walking the dog things like that. So you're kind of doubling up on your tasks, okay? So that would be my advice to you for identifying time thieves or time wasters. And I'm not saying these things have to leave your life completely. You saw that. We weren't talking about that. We were talking about just mitigating their impact, lessening their impact. So we're being realistic with it. We're still doing those things that we enjoy doing, But we're not going to let them deter us from our goals because when it comes down to it, nursing school, graduating, getting your license is way more important than watching The Office reruns or playing that game or checking out Instagram, right? Stay focused on your goals. Okay. The next secret of successful nursing students that we're talking about today is successful students know what to memorize, and know what to conceptualize. And I did a whole episode on this all to itself, which is episode 159. And in that, I go through some memory techniques for nursing school and talking about when it's helpful to memorize versus conceptualize. So go check that out if you want some really good concrete tips. So we're not going to go too deep into this here. I simply want to introduce this concept to you if you have not yet heard me talk about it before, because once you understand the difference between memorizing and conceptualizing, you are going to save yourself a ton of frustration and a ton of time in nursing school. So successful students know that some material is better suited for memorization, while Other material, and most of it, is actually better understood on a conceptual basis. So, for example, you could sit down and make a list of the signs and symptoms of right-sided heart failure 
and left-sided heart failure. And you could make flashcards, and you could do a Quizlet, and you could memorize the signs and symptoms of left-sided and right-sided heart failure. But that would be incredibly, incredibly inefficient, and you would not be understanding the concept about heart failure. But if you memorize something as simple as the blood flow pathway through the heart and the lungs, you can easily conceptualize much of what you need to know about right-sided and left-sided heart failure signs and symptoms. And I guarantee you, memorizing that blood flow pathway is about a thousand times easier than memorizing signs and symptoms of some complex heart failure issues. But you have the blood flow pathway down. Now, if someone asks you a question about left-sided heart failure, you don't have to worry about memorizing signs and symptoms of heart failure. You just think through that blood flow pathway that is part of your long-term memory. And there you go. You understand so much about heart failure. Knowing the cranial nerves, that's another one. You have to know the nerve number and the name of the nerve. You can't conceptualize that. There's no concept about that, right? Cranial nerve one is olfactory. That's not a concept. That's a fact. Cranial nerve two is optic. You can't conceptualize that. It's just a fact. It's something that you have to memorize. So once you know the nerves, their number, their names, and what they do, now when you have to go assess for the function of that nerve, that's going to be much, much more concept-based because it makes sense conceptually based on this background foundation knowledge that you already know. So successful students also know that when they understand these foundation concepts, they can be applied to broader concepts. And this makes learning so, so much more efficient. So a great example of this is in pharmacology. Students struggle with pharmacology. And I think a lot of the reason they struggle with pharmacology is because they go into it thinking they're going to struggle with pharmacology. But if you go into pharmacology and you approach it as, I'm going to learn foundation concepts, then you're going to have a much easier time in this class. So if you understand the foundation concept of beta blockers, then it makes it almost effortless to learn about the medication metoprolol. When you understand the foundation concept of the RAS pathway, which you probably have memorized, correct? Then you can easily understand and learn about the medication lisinopril. So understanding some basic concepts, spending the time there, pays you back over and over and over again with other concepts that are related. So if you want to dive deeper into this whole idea of memorizing, when to memorize, memory techniques versus conceptualizing and how all that works, then check out episode 159. And then if you want all of these secrets, all 20, all at once, I will put the link in the episode notes for the whole free guide of the 20 secrets of successful nursing students. And if you really want to thrive in nursing school, my Crucial Concepts Bootcamp is on sale right now if you're listening to this in real time. So I want you to go to the link in the episode notes 
and check that out. So I will see you again very soon. Next up, we're going to be talking about gabapentin, a medication that is one of the most commonly prescribed medications in the U.S. So I'll see you back here again soon. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.